You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Well, let me invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to our sermon text for this morning, which is Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 and 30. If you're joining us on the live stream or you watch it later, you may find we have a little bit of technical difficulty today as we upgrade some things. And so uh, the image may have some pink in it. In fact, I don't know if you're watching it and seeing it, I might be dressed in all pink today, uh, which actually would be perfectly fine on this Mother's Day because it is our delight as a church to recognize this day and to celebrate the many people that God has placed in our lives to provide mothering care for us. So many women that we have to thank for their investment in helping and making us happy and helping us to grow as Christians in particular. And so we're thankful for that this morning as we consider this text in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 uh, and 30, or through 30. I've entitled this message, The Happy Servants That God Sends. Also, I think appropriate for this morning as we think about those who have cared for us. We have so many people in our lives that God has provided for us, and we actually see some of them at work in the letter to the Philippians this morning. And so I want to begin first by just reminding us of what it means biblically to be a servant. What are the passages or some of the passages that that God uses to talk to us about servanthood? One that comes to mind for me is Psalm chapter 1. Let me share just a, a few verses here. Psalm 1 says in verse 1, blessed is the person. Now, it's important for us to remember at the outset that that word blessed that's being used is actually a word that does not mean blessed as we understand it today. We, we typically use the word blessed. We've, we feel blessed as though we've been, we've been given some advantages or some things have gone well in our lives. But actually, the word that's used in Psalm 1 is the word for happy. Therefore, Psalm 1 should read, happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. These are the kinds of servants that God has given in our lives and brought uh, to us. And this is the kind of servant that God brought into the lives of the Philippian church and, in particular, into the life of the Apostle Paul, as we want to see this morning. So what we have an opportunity to do in these verses is to notice a kind of three-part portrait of the happy servants that God sends happily into our lives to help us and to strengthen us and to comfort us and to do all different kinds of ministries uh, and the kinds of servants that we want to be as well. So as we consider this three-part portrait, let's remember a couple of things. Right at the beginning, maybe two banners over the top of what we endeavor to see over just the next few minutes. We want to see this clear reminder of the kindness of God in sending these servants to us. 
If you think about all of the people that God has placed in your life who have blessed you in, in so many different ways, who have contributed to your happiness as a Christian, toward your progress and prosperity as a Christian, spiritually growing you and comforting you and caring for you and encouraging you, some things have come from Him. And they are delivering to us the very blessings that come from his heart. So as we think about them today, and as we think about these mentioned in the text, let's keep that in mind. Let's remember where they have come from and on whose behalf they are coming, delivering his resources of grace and mercy and help. And then second, let's make another endeavor together that we would see better the kinds of servants that we want to be, that we could emulate what they are held up as in this text and in so many others. So let's notice the first part of this portrait of the happy servants that God sends, both to see his kindness to us and to those that we're reading about here, and to think about how we can be those very servants to others. First, notice that he sends servants who show genuine concern for complete welfare. These happy servants of God that he sends into our lives and that we want to be in the lives of others are servants who show genuine concern for complete welfare. We read about one here that we're pretty familiar with if you read the the writings of the Apostle Paul, and that is his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy was his spiritual son in the faith and in ministry, and Paul made it a major purpose of his life to care for Timothy and to sort of uh, pass forward a baton of gospel proclamation and the ministry of the word to churches uh, all around the area in which they lived. And we find here in the first few verses of this morning's text that he sent Timothy for a couple of big reasons. Here's the first reason that he sent Timothy to the Philippians. Number one is because Paul wanted to learn of their condition. Paul expected that he would be encouraged when the report came back to him of how things were going among these believers. And that tells you something first of of the kind of heart that servants like Paul and Timothy have. They show a real interest, a real concern for how others are doing. And, And not just wanting to know how they're doing in general, they want to know how they're doing in the deepest, most meaningful areas of their lives. He wants to know how they're doing as believers, as worshipers, as followers, as those who who are willing to happily suffer on behalf of, of the gospel and for the glory of Christ. He wants to know how they're doing. So he sent Timothy to learn of their condition. And second, he sent Timothy because he knew something about Timothy. He knew that he could be trusted to show from Paul that very genuine, special concern that he had for the Philippians' welfare. This is where we see the the first mark of this portrait of the happy servants that God sends. They show genuine concern for complete welfare. Think for a moment of what that means to you in your life. What does it mean for someone to show you genuine concern for your complete welfare. Imagine if you, if you found out that I had, had fallen into a season of, of just really serious hopelessness. 
And because of all of the things going on in the world that are on the constant news that I see or because of hardships in my life, what if you found out through the grapevine of the church that I was really struggling? I was downcast. I was despairing. I was questioning how, how am I going to be able to go on? How am I going to be able to, as one of, of three pastors of a growing church, to be able to, to do my part to carry, to carry the load? What would happen if you found out that that was the way I was feeling and living? Well, I'd like to think that what you would do is you would be moved with compassion for me and that you would have a genuine concern for my complete welfare. I know what would happen. There would be meals <laughs> flowing into my house. You would see that as a way that you could care for our family in hard times. That's something that comes naturally to, to all of us, is that we want to care for, for these needs. Let's try to make the circumstances a little easier. Let's try to provide some, some, some bright moments, some, some good food. We all re can rejoice, even in hard times, over some good food. But that's not all that you would do. You would move close to me. You would try to comfort me. You would, you would bring me promises of God that I need to be reminded of. You, you, you might, if you had opportunity, and if I were to let you in, uh, perhaps you would come in and you would, you would ask me some caring and genuine questions of how you could care for me. You, you would come in and you would, you would ask me about not just my, my appetite and did I enjoy the meal that you brought, but you would ask me about my spiritual appetite. You would ask me about my heart. You would ask me about my soul. You would want to know what, what's brought you to this point. How can I help you? How can I nourish you? How can I comfort you? That's what you would do. And that's a beautiful picture. That's exactly the reason why the Apostle Paul sent um, among many people that he could choose that he sent Timothy because he knew that he could be trusted, trusted and dependent to do this important thing. And you're caring for me in that hypothetical situation. One way that we would see your genuine care is by your disposition toward me. The way that you would move close to me. The way that you would speak to me. If we were really close and we could listen in on what that was like, you, we might even hear a change in the tone of your voice. You wouldn't speak to me in harsh tones. You would lower your voice. You would try to bring some kind of comforting tone to my life. You would bring this kind of, kind of gentle and seeking prayer into my life. You'd be praying for me. I'm trying to paint a picture for you of why Paul sent Timothy. That's what Timothy is like. That's how Timothy thinks. That's why Timothy is trusted. He has, among few people in Paul's life, the same kind of concern that Paul has. This is an important word in the Bible because like many words, especially in Greek, uh, there's one word that has two meanings. And in fact, they, they can't really fit together in their meanings because they're, they're separate. They're sort of mutually exclusive. And what determines the meaning is the context. Here's one of the words when you read the word concern. It's often in the, in the New Testament the word merimnao, and it has two possible meanings depending on the circumstances. One meaning is worry. It can mean anxiety and worry, which of course we know is a sinful thing. 
It is the kind of experience that we have when we've lost touch with the, the sovereign, good, wise, happy God of the universe. We've lost touch with how he's caring for us and what he's, he's doing, that he's never sleeping. And, and so we stop sleeping because we think he's asleep. But that's not what is meant here when we read the word concern. It is the word concern for us in English. It's to have a concern that doesn't fall into the the realm of, of worry and anxiety and fretting and sleeplessness. It actually is the word of genuine heartfelt concern. And we see this all over Paul's life and ministry. If there is any mark in the life of the Apostle Paul that stands out, and there are many, It is the fact that he is concerned. He is genuinely with his heart, with his very soul, with his guts. He is concerned about other people, in particular about the churches. This is what he says in in 2 Corinthians 11, 28. As he's talking about all of the suffering that he endured, he puts at the sort of the end of the list, overarching everything else as his ultimate sort of suffering. I have this constant daily concern for all of the churches. There are other places like Galatians 4.19 where he says, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, concern. He's laboring with concern. Or Colossians 2.1 and 2. For I want you to know, listen to this, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged. That's his concern. Having been knit together in love, that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. That's his concern. That's Timothy's concern. Or in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I also sent to find out about your faith. For fear that the tempter might have tempted you. Here's another word like concern. For fear. This is the proper kind of fear. It's not the anxious fear. It's not sinful fear. It's concern. I'm concerned that perhaps the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would have been for nothing. This is the picture of the happy servant that God sends. We've already seen over and over again, and we're going to see it again in a moment, that the Apostle Paul is characterized by this concern, but he's also characterized by a kind of lasting, rich, unending happiness in Christ. In spite of all of his physical sufferings, in spite of all of his spiritual sufferings and concern for the church, what keeps him going? What fuels his concern? It is ultimately the joy because he is a Psalm 1 kind of servant. Happy is the person. He is one of these people. And he sends Timothy for this reason as well. It is an amazing thing to see. He has genuine concern for their welfare. But notice this. Here's the part that we don't want to overlook. Absolutely do not want to overlook. He points out that he doesn't have anyone else that he can trust. It's a reminder that these kinds of servants are few and far between. And you probably know that already in your life. 
you know that you do have these people in your life, but there are not many of them. They're few and far between. And Paul says the very same thing in verse 20. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He thinks through the list about other people he could send. I could send Danny. I could send Jeff. I could send Susie. But as much as I love them, they cannot be trusted. Not for this type of thing. They cannot be trusted to show genuine concern for your complete welfare. He goes on and he speaks about the way some around him uh, live and act and, and think, and it raises this concern for him. Verse 21, I can't trust anyone else but Timothy because they all seek after their own interests, not the interests of Christ. They're distracted. They're distracted from the interests of Christ, but here's the part that we can't overlook. It's another way of making the same point that I brought up earlier about seeing that these servants come to us from God. They're coming from his heart, carrying his resources with his comfort, delivering his grace and showing his mercy. Because notice what he says in verse 21, they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. This is another way of saying if you want to know what Christ Jesus is like, he's like this genuinely concerned for your complete welfare. That's why I'm sending Timothy, because he gets it. He's not distracted by the interests of his, his own like normal life. He has the heart of the Lord for you, and he's coming to you showing genuine, genuine concern. In fact, the word that he uses here for welfare is the word euodia. It's a word that means success. If we use it in, in the normal kind of sense today of, of modern English, you might say prosperity. Of course, spiritual prosperity, flourishing. He has a genuine concern that you would flourish. That fits in with everything else that we've been reading about the Apostle Paul. That fits in with everything else that we've been considering in this series of how we can become greater connoisseurs of happiness. That's, that's what we mean when we say happiness. We mean flourishing. It is an incredible picture of this kind of servant coming into the lives of these people. What a difference. What a difference Paul and Timothy makes in their lives. We want to be like that as well. We want to be this kind of servant. So let me ask you, and I ask this myself, and, and the answer is going to go up and down. There's some days I can say yes, there's some days I have to say no, and there's some days I'm just in between. Would Paul trust you? Would he trust you to send you? Are you the kind of person that is able to show genuine concern for complete welfare? Are you the kind of person that can be trusted to bring that kind of grace in that kind of moment? Are you the kind of person that can be trusted to lower your voice a little? And bring comfort and care and help and really have genuine concern? Like me, the answer is yes. And like me, the answer is no. And like me, the answer is sometimes, sort of. 
But we want to move in this direction. We're seeing this, not just as a reflection of God's heart in our lives, but we're seeing the kinds of servants that we want to be. You want to be that kind of servant, I know. A happy servant that God sends. So for many of us, what this means as we apply it to our lives is that we need, we need time. And we need experience. This doesn't just come naturally to us. That's why they're few and far between. It's something that has to be developed, that God develops in those who are seeking after it and in pursuit of it. Those who are praying, God, make me a person of genuine concern. I know, I know that I have rough edges. Please shave them off. Smooth me out. Soften my heart. Make me more patient. Give me more grace so that I could show more grace. Give me more wisdom so that I'll know the need of the moment. Help me to to enter into the world of other people with genuine concern. Help me to understand the, the need that needs to be met. Help me bring Christ and his answers. It's a prayer that says, I want to be like you. I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Timothy. I want to be like those people in my life, in your life, that come to your mind when you start thinking of the servants God has sent to you. But it does take time and it takes intentional effort for us to develop this. And therefore, we need to apply, apply ourselves. That's the first part of this portrait. Here's the second part that we see. That God also sends happy servants who serve with what Paul refers to as a kind of childlike loyalty. He's highlighting this attribute of loyalty as he thinks of Timothy. He says in verse 22, but you know, so they already have experience. They already are aware of this. It's something that's become evident to them. You know of his proven character. And that he served with me, which is a big statement because he's sending. Like God sends servants to us. Paul is sending Timothy in a similar way from his own heart that he served me in the furtherance of the gospel. But how did he serve me? Like a child serving his father. This is another portrait. It's another piece of the picture or puzzle that we can focus in on. We only have three. We typically don't have three three points or truths that we're trying to get on a Sunday morning. This is the second. How can we become loyal like Timothy, the childlike kind of loyalty? I read a story recently, which was really interesting, about someone named Ruth Handler. You've probably never heard that name before. I hadn't either, but she actually is the, the founder of Mattel, the toy company that we all probably really enjoyed growing up as kids. And, and some of us, uh, particularly the, the girls, uh, enjoyed Barbie dolls. Maybe others can. But they were responsible for, for, the, for the development of the Barbie doll. Enormous, huge fortune. I mean, imagine how, how Barbie took over the world. Well, sometime later, Ruth was diagnosed with breast cancer. She did have one daughter named Barbara, And Barbara was just living her own normal life. She was a young mother herself, and she had many things going on in her life. And so if you catch the picture, Ruth has all of this fortune, and she comes into hardship. It would be very easy for her or her daughter to just lay back on the fortune and say, you know, the money will take care of you. Here's what we can do. We can take some of the fortune, and we can have someone come care for you. 
The person can be in your home every day and, uh, and, and care for you around the clock, and we can have all of this other help. But that's not the heart of Barbara. What did Barbara do? Barbara actually put her little life on hold and went to care for her mother, Ruth, in this time. It's an amazing picture. This is, this is one of many pictures of childlike loyalty. Something that, that can extend beyond just circumstances, beyond just resources, but to a heart of genuine concern, just as we have been seeing, but brings with it this childlike loyalty. Loyalty means that you stick together. It means that you, you are together, that you, you are connected to one another. You're, you're hitched up. You're tied together with a knot. That's what childlike loyalty is. Think about the way that children are attached to their parents. This is what Paul is saying about Timothy. He is this kind of servant. This is the kind of servant that we want to be. And you can see it in just these verses because notice this too. There's a theme here, and it's a theme or emphasis on togetherness. As he's talking about loyalty, he's making it clear what he means. To be loyal is to be together. Notice the wording. He served with me. In the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. He says, therefore, I hope to send him immediately. There's togetherness. It's the sending. It's the close proximity to one another. As soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself will also be coming shortly. We're seeing in just these couple of verses the unpacking and uh, display of what it means to be loyal. It doesn't mean that we are loyal from a distance. It means that we are loyal up close. That we are involved in one another's lives. And that we have a genuine concern, but also a genuine loyalty to one another. Think about the way he puts it as a child serving his father. Here are some of the qualities that come to mind for us when we think about that. What was Timothy when he served like a child? He was, of course, obedient. That's what a child is. A child is one who serves his father and is expected to follow instructions. This is part of why Timothy is trusted. He knows how to follow the instructions. We want to be the kinds of people that God sends. This is something we need to develop in our own hearts and lives, that we are able to follow his instructions. We're able to submit to him. A child, as Paul talks about here, shows respect. A child who, who serves his father shows a loyalty of respect and honor, and therefore we can show this kind of honor to one another. He's highlighting the kind of humility that Timothy has. Serving one's father really does require a willingness to set aside your own desires, your own priorities, in order to attend to him and to his wishes. What a beautiful picture of how we want to be with our God. We might also think of gratitude. There's a gratitude that's at the heart of what it means to be a, a, like a child, loyally serving a father in our service of others. There's a gratitude for the care and the, and the, the guidance that we have received and passing that forward into the lives of others. This is another piece of the portrait that Paul provides. 
But I think that one of the areas that we all can grow in is the area of this proximity. Because it's very easy today. We have every reason, we have every tool, and there's nothing wrong with them. They're good. They're super convenient in certain circumstances, but we have, we have tools that provide us ways to be together without being together. That can be, in churches, one of the challenges of even having something like a live stream. I don't think that we have that problem in our church. I'm grateful for that. But that can be one of those things. Well, aren't I there even though I'm not there? No, you're not. Well, what about if we just stay in touch by text message? Or am I there, though I'm not really there? No, you're not. There is an emphasis here on being together, on sending servants, on being in close proximity. And that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to do that in our church and in many other areas of our lives. It's a great reminder for us because everything is allowing us to, to drift apart And it's going to be a little bit of a fight for us, a discipline, to stay close together. To stay close together as a church, as a church family, and even to serve others in our community in this way, moving close. So a second application, perhaps, is that we should look for these opportunities. Be more in tune with the opportunities to move closer to others. To to serve them in person with the gospel. We're really talking about beefing up a kind of family or even a team dynamic where we're close together in this loyalty that Paul is describing. And then finally, here's the last piece of this portrait that is so encouraging to us. God also sends happy servants who sacrifice through diligent ministry. They have a kind of grit to their lives, and that allows them to serve in hardship and challenges with joy and with diligence. We learn about another one of these servants. There was someone else that Paul trusted and depended upon named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a member of the Philippian church who was sent uh, by the church to visit Paul while he was imprisoned in Rome. We read about that here. Look at verse 25. He said, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and was distressed. He's caught it too. You, You see what's going on? People that get close to the Apostle Paul catch whatever it is that he has. And this is what he has. He has genuine concern. Paul is a, in the proper godly use of the word, a distressed person. He is in the proper godly use, if we can, of the word, an anxious person. He's concerned. His his heart is always crying out and reaching out. And when people get close to him, they catch that heart. And here Epaphroditus is one who caught it as well. And so he was a messenger from the Philippians to Paul, and he brought a financial gift, and he was providing him with companionship and support during his imprisonment, because obviously you can tell what else happened. As the Philippians got close to the Apostle Paul, they caught it as well. And now they have become senders. They're senders just like Paul had sent to to them. They now are sending servants. It's an amazing picture of really what the gospel intends to do through missions around the world. It's the sending 
of people who have genuine concern for complete welfare everywhere that they go. They get sent here because no one's there. It infects all of the people there. They start sending people somewhere else. And that's how we fill the world with worshipers. And so here is Epaphroditus, another great example of this kind of happy servant that God sends. But notice this. We learn a little bit more about Epaphroditus, and it really shows off this portrait and shows off his, his character and what God had done in his life and his heart to make him this kind of person, the kind of person that, that I want to be, that we want to be. Notice what Paul says in verse 27. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. Even in the midst of this sickness, serious circumstances, he continues to serve, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. God spared his life and blessed Paul in that way. But then Paul says, I have sent him all the more eagerly. Now, here's one of those things. Here's one of those things I think about in my life. You know, if you had served the Lord in a church to the point of death, and you were right at death's door, and then you were spared, what's the next thing that you would do? Don't you think, like me, you would be tempted to say, vacation, I'm going to take a break, or I'm going to retire. Hey, I did my duty. I went right up to the door. I'm not doing this anymore. Okay, I've got a life to live. But what do they do? What does Paul do? Sends him on. He sends him on even after this suffering. Now, that tells me something. There is some kind of genuine happiness at work in the hearts of these people that they would live their lives like that. No one, no one, don't kid yourself. No one lives like this out of duty. No one lives like this because there's a rule that says go. That's not why people go. They go because there's joy. They go because their hearts have been, have been set apart and they have seen the treasure of knowing Christ and it is satisfying them and they're willing to give up everything. No one gives up everything because they're told to. They give up everything because they want to and they only want to because they know that there is joy to be had in the giving of themselves. And Epaphroditus is such an incredible picture of this. He was distressed. He's distressed, why? Because the Philippians know that he's sick and he's worried that they're worried. You see, did you catch this? Do you catch the kind, of, the kind of love and concern? That's why it's few and far between. You don't know people like this. You don't. You don't know people who are concerned that someone else is concerned about being concerned about them. You don't know people who do that. Except here, people that get close to Paul become these kinds of people. And thank God, thank God for your Bible, because this is how God is bringing you close to Paul. And when he brings you close to Paul, he's bringing you close to himself. And you're seeing more of the heart of God. Before we go, let's give Epaphroditus a little bit more time and attention and just notice some of the ways that Paul looks at him. He is another helper. 
And he's characterized in these ways. Notice what Paul says. He's, he does not play around with words. He's being specific because he has a, a specific intention to communicate. Notice the way he talks about Epaphroditus. And think about, think about, and envision. Envision what it might take for some changes to happen in your life and mine that other people would talk about us like this. That we would become labeled by them with these kinds of labels. When Paul thinks about Epaphroditus and describes him, this is what he says. My brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, your messenger, your minister. That's an incredible way to label someone. That's, that's an incredible way to be known that's the way I would like to be known. Wouldn't you like to be known like this? And notice what all of it comes down to. It comes back to the very first truth, the very first piece of the portrait, and it's the genuine welfare. It's the close proximity. It's the loyalty of the second part. Notice again, a brother. What does a brother do? What is he highlighting about a brother? Punch you in the arm? Is that what he means? He's a brother. He likes to, to rib you. He's a fun guy to be around. That's not what he means. He means that he cares for his siblings. He has a genuine concern for those around him who belong to his family. He refers to him as, as a fellow worker. What does a worker do in this context? You catch the context. He's talking about a worker who cares about his fellow workers. That's why he calls him a fellow worker. He refers to him as a fellow soldier. Now we're getting deeper in. We started off with a familial picture. Now we've moved to an employment loyalty picture. Now we're moving into a military picture. Epaphroditus is all of these things. He's a balance of what it means to be a family man or person, or what it means to be an employed person, what it means to be a, a warring person. And all of these are put together, not even to mention what he says after that, who is also your messenger. Is he, is he a postal worker? Does he just deliver the mail? You know, he comes by every day and puts the mail in your box. That's pretty great, right? That's, what Epaphrod- That's not what he means. What does he mean? He is coming bringing news. He's bringing good news of glad tidings, of happiness and joy in Christ. He's, he is an announcer. He's a messenger. Of course, Paul doesn't mean something less than a messenger of the gospel. And he is a minister, someone who cares for the congregation. You, you follow the, you, do you follow the curve? You, you follow, right? He goes from family to employee to soldier to messenger to minister. It's this balance. It's this way that he knows how to care for everyone. And he has the grit to keep caring even when things get hard. But also we see these other three qualities in that he has a longing, an earnest desire. We want to pray for something. Let's pray for this. God, give me a longing. Because you can't do any of these things without longing. right? You, you can't do them just because someone says do them. You have to have a longing. You have to have a heart that's compelled. So we should pray for that because I don't have a way of getting that. I don't have an extra heart so I can plug in to me or you. Uh, We need God to plug in a different heart to feed our hearts. Epaphroditus, we saw this earlier, was distressed. He was overwhelmed in emotion. 
He was, he was giving his heart to them, and his heart was going out to them. And he even had the, the perseverance and the diligence in the midst of such hardship, being sick even to death. And Paul sends him for two reasons. Paul sends them for two reasons. Now, this is where it's going to blow my mind again because it's always something I'm not expecting. Why does he send him? He sends him, one, for relief, and two, for happiness. That's what he's sending them with. If, if, if Epaphroditus was packing his bag and he said, Paul, I got room for two things. What should I take? What does Paul say? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go give them relief, comfort them, spend time with them, show them that you're okay, show them that, that, that the Lord is in control and the Lord has been good to us. And second, I want you to do everything that you can to make them happy. Fill them with joy. Be a source of unending joy and the reminder of the satisfaction that they have in Christ, even in the midst of this, and carry it from me through you to them. Those are the two reasons. Notice at the end of the passage, he says, Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice. That's why he sent them. He wants them to rejoice. And I may be less concerned about you. He's going to relieve me because I know that a part of me is now with you. And I know that in a world where there are few and far between, someone who has genuine concern for your complete welfare and is utterly loyal to me is going to bring from my heart to yours the kind of joy that I have over you. And I won't be as concerned. And he says then, receive him then in the Lord with all joy. And hold people like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ. He risking his own life to compensate for your absence in your service to me. When you couldn't be close and you sent him, he did in loyalty. You see, it's all, it's all wrapped up together. It's all interconnected. And it all comes back to ultimately Paul's desire throughout all of the letter to the Philippians is to increase joy. Increase joy in Christ because that's what lasts and that's what makes servants like this. So we want God, God, we want you, please help us to be servants like this. God, we want to be the kinds of people who know how to show genuine concern for complete welfare. And we admit, we confess to you that we are, we are lacking this. There, there are all different kinds of things going on in our lives that are distractions and holding us back. And we just, we need, we need your ongoing help and we're grateful to have it. We're thankful that you're happily working in us. And so we pray that you would please, please make us this, this kind of loyal Make us loyal like, like children serving their father. That's what we're doing. But we need your help. And we pray also that you would help us to be diligent in ministry. Help us to learn from Epaphroditus and Timothy, these brothers of ours. Help us to learn the way that they, they caught your heart and we want to also so that we could give your heart, which is, the, uh, which, which is what, what they did as they were sent and used by you. God, please help us in this way. 
And Lord, we pray for anyone who's here or who happens to be listening to the live stream today that if they don't know you, that this would be their opportunity to repent of their sin and place their trust in you. And that they would come to know you and know the joy and satisfaction that comes from you. And make us people that are known like this. Make us brothers, make us workers, make us soldiers. Make us messengers, make us ministers. Create in us a longing. Distress us for the souls and the hearts of other people. And we pray, God, that you would help us to be obedient and faithful and joyful, even to the very end, whether it be sweet or bitter, because we know who we serve, and you are sovereign, wise, and good, and happy all day long. Make us like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 